podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Helen Hills Podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. I did start recording. Okay, yeah, I'm good. I had a little <laughs> panic there. We have had uh, at least one event where I have not started recording, and I just had flashbacks real quick. Anyways, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, we went out to eat for James's birthday today. <clears throat> we were going to go to this new Indian rest. It's not new, but it's new to us. Uh, this semi-new Indian restaurant, and we got there, and I was like, they don't look like they're open, and they were not. They were closed for Martin Luther King Day, Oh, which I, James was immediately like, you didn't check to see if they were open. Why would I expect a restaurant to be closed for Martin Luther King Day? Yeah, that's kind of a weirder one. Yeah, like, I was off, but I work at a bank. You're off. I don't... You work at a place, so... It just, I don't know. Restaurants don't really strike me. I'm happy they got the day off. If I, if I had my way, everybody would be closed today. But, so we went and had Mexican instead. Mexican food's better anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least my opinion. <laughs> Annie had a quesadilla. She was pretty happy, so. Quesadilla and french fries. Because she's still figuring out the spoon. I mean, whatever works, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still cooking dinner, but. I'm making tamales. Well, shit on my Mexican food. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) I didn't know until just now. uh, And my tamales were in the freezer. And I went, yeah, let's make those. So that's what I made. So is that what you did today? How was your day? Um, Cody and I went to a funeral for his coworker. Oh, I'm Um, sorry. It was his work wife. So there's that. I was supposed to have the day off of work, but I did not. I've been working all day. That's not true. I've been working part of the day. Other than that, it's been fine. It's just been, as you can see, in the last week, we have rearranged mm-hmm. all the oh, shit. I like Demon Cat in the background. Demon, that's Smokey. He's he's not going to like when that box goes away, because that's for Christmas decorations. But, I mean, it's fine. Though I'm a little under the weather right now, I've got a stuffy nose, and I thought it was just allergies, but it is not going away. Ooh, but the other thing that I was going to tell you, which I think I've already texted you, my surgery is scheduled. Yes. For the 25th of this month. Okay, I'm excited for you. Yeah. Uh, real happy for you. <laughs> we Sorry, had a time out right I then. took a detour really quick for n- literally two seconds. It was yeah. fine. Bryce was like, time out and scene, go. You're happy for me. And I'm like, yes, thrilled, ecstatic. No, sorry. I just interrupted. I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. So we'll take it from the top. Surgery, the 25th, which is a week from Wednesday. Um, That's all I got. I really am like stupid excited for you, though. Do you know, is it going to be like invasive? Is there going to be any kind of uh, healing? do peeling what healing healing ew oh god god i was like what peeling what's peeling oh no um it's i mean they're removing a fallopian tube so there's uh, that feels invasive but they told me like five days max is where i would be out so so minor peeling yeah minor um i have my 
pre-op on this Wednesday, so mm-hmm. I don't. I'm going to talk to him first of all. I've got to ask if I can keep it. Um, I'm so yes, please, please. The for anyone that, that hasn't, I don't know. Did we was this over text that we talked about it? The fallopian tube, yes. Yeah, so over text, I told Amanda I was going to ask if I could keep the fallopian tube, and then I would have my weird thing. Her grandma has the finger in the jar, and uh, I've got to ask on Wednesday. So I'll let you know what he says. Okay, let me know. If not, I'll see if I can get a picture of it, at least. But moving on. Um, But yeah, that's all I've really got. I got excited for a second because I was going to say, like, if you can get a picture of that, I'll get a picture for my next colonoscopy because I have one coming up here in a few months. But I don't know if anybody would want to see that. So. They're st- they're very different because one's like the picture inside, one's with it on the outside. I don't know. Uh, not my colonoscopy. It's strictly no, inside. No, 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 no. I'm talking <laughs> mine. Mine's on oh, the outside. Oh, okay. That is being removed, <laughs> taken out of me. Uh-huh. Hopefully mine is never removed. That's like. That's when your ulcerative colitis is like you get di- uh, disability for it. So we're not, hopefully, not that bad. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something just a minute ago. What were we talking about? Oh, uh, I, did, I did learn because I learned this with the whoever did the, because I had to go in and do an ultrasound. Um, they were telling me because I've got PCOS, endometriosis, and the fallopian tube issue. Um. They were telling me, though, that PCOS isn't always bad because it also often means that you have more eggs and follicles that are producing. They just aren't being released properly. Oh, good. That is kind of good in your case. She's over there counting them. And she's like, you got 40 plus in there. And I was like, "Mm, one follicle, one egg. That's all we allow. But how does one count eggs? Is it with a microscope? Is it with like, well, it's tweezers? the follicle. So from mm-hmm. how I understand it, which I'm not a medical doctor, this is just my understanding. Um, when you're when your body is going through the menstrual cycle, it creates follicles and each of those follicles is supposed to have one egg in it. And those follicles like grow bigger. So, I mean, they're not counting the individual egg. They're counting the masses that are considered the follicles with the egg inside that's how i understood it last time they explained it to us which was over a year ago it wasn't Mm -hmm. this past time she just counted the follicles which isn't fun because it's not like an ultrasound like on your stomach it is a a vaginal ultrasound so for Mm -hmm. anyone that's uncomfortable hey by the way it was a vaginal ultrasound which those aren't fun but then she she counts one side counts the other side sorry for anyone that was uncomfortable that's just never really like when you said it i was like how does one count an egg? But okay, that's uh, kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah. So those are today I learned. <clears throat> Again, it's been over a year since they explained the follicle to me. So I could just be mis- misremembering it, but that's how I remember it. Text James real quick. I wonder how many vag follicles I have. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, they're they're in your ovaries. Or they were in my ovaries. We'll let him figure that out. Okay. Well. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Here's your text message. I did text him or Snapchat him and said happy birthday mm-hmm. after you reminded me it was his birthday. So he doesn't need to know. He, let him think that I remembered on my own. I actually forgot myself because I know it's in December. It's not in December. What? I know it's January. In January. <laughs> I know it's in January and I know it's on the 16th. But the other day I was finally making my vision appointment 
Uh, and I made one for him too. And she was like, okay, well, when's his birthday? And I was like, January 6th. Oh, because I made his appointment on the 13th. And I was like, I'm really glad you asked me that question. Thank you. You know, I know what's even better about that. What's up? His birthday is on the shared podcast calendar. Yeah, I think they all are, right? Yeah, they Everybody all are. of importance to us. Well, I don't <laughs> think I have the Podfathers on there. I should probably add the Podfathers. Oh, yeah, add the Podfathers. Yeah, his is past. No. His was December, so you guys have to wait a year. Well, happy belated. Well, I was on a cruise during his birthday, so it was a great birthday for me. Oh, you good? <laughs> there were crumbs everywhere. For anybody wondering, um, in the middle of Bryce talking, my child was trying to chew on the books because she found her way into my bookshelf. So I have. Um, a container of, I think they're Mexican pastries? Yes, Mexican, well, they're a product of Mexico. Mexican, Hispanic, whichever, but they are orejitas and they are delicious. And I was shaking them to get her attention and uh, the box opened and rained orejitas down upon me. It's raining orejitas. <laughs> I don't know the rest of it. It's, uh, yeah, it was everywhere. Well, with that being said, do you want to go into shout outs? Do you remember who we agreed to shout out this week? Um, no. I think when you were telling me there was uh, Mexican pastry in my ears. So, no, that would have been last week. Your ears were clear of Mexican pastry <laughs> then. At least oh, I then. hope. I just flat out don't remember. Oh, it's Rhode Island. Oh, it's Rhode Island. That's right. Yeah, we made decisions on shouting out Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So we see you guys. We know you're newer. Uh, you haven't been around very long. Thanks for subjecting your ears to to our entertain. No, to for what? To <laughs> us. To us. Thank you yes. for listening. Yeah, thanks for being there. So hello, Rhode Island. We also have our Patreon up and going. So if you want to join Patreon, we have different layers. What? What's? I'm not drunk. I swear to God, I'm okay. I'm sober today. So Patreon has different levels of support varying from $3 to $10. Amanda and I are working on getting specials out. I know that Amanda was working on the Goose Game episode for anyone that wants to see what the Goose Game is about. We finished it. Mm -hmm. So if you have no idea what the Goose Game is, go watch that because it's completed. We have the full, I don't know, I would call it a tutorial. Playthrough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that not a be good there. playthrough. It's not and, quality. <laughs> in our defense, it was our first time playing. Yes, and we had different controls. So I don't was worry. like, I cut that part out where we were trying to <laughs> figure because oh. it, it was like ten minutes of me literally just like pressing keys to figure out what does what. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. I was doing that too. I was like, I just know these are the ones that move me. <laughs> um. And then we are working on our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. So if you want to follow us there to see pictures from episodes, um, everything is Hell on Heels podcast, except for Twitter, because they cut us off mid-thought. So that's Hell on Heels pod. If you guys have any stories, requests, anything you want to send to us, you can send that to Hell on Heels podcast at gmail.com. We are checking that frequently for any requested stories, anything like that. Um, is there something I'm missing? Is that everything? 
I think that's everything. everything. Jinx. Okay. I don't think that was a jinxable moment. I think it was. Okay, I'll let it slide this time. Normally, because I say that, and then on the recording, I'm like, God damn it, it was a jinxable moment. <laughs> Anyways, well, I saw what Amanda was doing uh, just because I saw the pictures already. So I'm really excited. So we're going to stop spilling orejitas on ourselves. And we're going to listen to Amanda's story because I'm excited. I I really like this one. Uh, Bryce obviously knows what it is. <clears throat> it is generally well known in the crime community. And I am sorry because this is another unsolved case. I promise my next case will not be unsolved. I don't know what happened there. Hey, don't don't make promises you can't keep. Oh, well, I already know what my next case is. So oh, okay. Promise. That's fine. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so this is the story of Bryce Les Pisa, specifically the disappearance of Bryce Les Pisa. He was born on April 30th of 1994. Karen and Michael Les Pisa gave birth to Bryce Les Pisa in Springfield, Illinois. He was an only child. They lived. Wait, in how, what was his birthday again? April 30th. 94? 94. He was 10 days younger than me. Okay, I feel old right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I knew it was around your birthday, though. I know your birthday is the 20th. 420. Yeah. 94. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on. But uh, I'm pretty sure y'all have wildly different lives. I think so. I'm not a missing person, so Bryce Les Pisa, I apologize, but... Well, spoiler alert, quote-unquote missing, but we'll get into that. I'm also a woman. Are you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there's another uh, definitive factor. So sorry. (laughs) Go on. Totally off topic. They lived in a suburb in Chicago, and Bryce was said to be easygoing. He was charming. It helped him make friends really easily. He was cheerful. He was friendly. He had a way of making people feel comfortable. He was funny, and he was close with his parents. He showed artistic talents from an early age. And this guy stood out in a crowd. He was 5'11", 170 pounds. He had bright red, like, orange hair. And he had green eyes. He was handsome. He was a looker. He has a great smile. I did put uh, a couple of pictures up. One of them uh, is a photo of him and two girls. I could not find out who the girls are, but I feel like this is just like he's such a fun loving looking person. Just full of energy. Mm-hmm. He graduated from Naperville Central High School just outside of Chicago in 2012. And his parents also retired around this time. So they decided to move to California. They started their new life in Laguna Niguel, a city in Orange County, which I just love the way that feels in your mouth when you say it, Laguna Niguel. I love it. Laguna Niguel? Laguna Niguel. Laguna Niguel. Mm -hmm. I love it. Bryce, he moved seven hours north of Laguna Niguel in a city called, or to a city called Rockland. He had been accepted into Sierra College, and he was going to be studying graphic and industrial design. So he's keeping up with that artistic talents, those artistic talents. His first year at Sierra, Bryce made good grades. One source I saw said that he was actually on the dean's list. He made a lot of friends. He fit in really easily. He started dating Kim Sly, and he was said to be in love with Kim. 
He spent the summer break between freshman and sophomore year with his parents, and he allegedly told them he was excited to go back to school. He was excited with where his life was going. And by all accounts, he seemed to be thriving and had a great future ahead of him. He left his parents and went back home about two weeks before class started his sophomore year. He had gotten an apartment on campus this year with Sean Dixon, who he was really close with. Sean called Karen Lespisa two weeks into the school year to tell her how worried he was about Bryce. He told Karen that Bryce had completely changed. He was staying up drinking all night, sometimes as much as two-fifths in one weekend. And a fifth is like your like standard or average size bottle of alcohol for people in the U.S. at least. That's a lot to do in two days. That's a lot. Like, I can't mm-hmm. do that in two years. It takes us forever to go through alcohol. Uh, yeah, same. I was going to say, like, my liquor cabinet is full, not because I drink a lot, but because I don't. There were also reports of him taking either Vivance or Adderall. Most sources said that it was specifically Vivance. I'm not going to say they're the same drug, but they are the same type of drug. I know they're known as like the college drug because a lot of college kids uh, abuse them to help them stay up late, to help them focus. Bryce had been reported by multiple people to be taking them. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Now, I couldn't find Kim's response to this, but she did admit that it happened later on. She admitted that Sean called her and he was worried about Bryce. Bryce went to his classes on August 26, 2013. He had two classes that day, speech and web design. And Karen spoke to him that night and said that everything seemed fine. Bryce was upbeat. He was excited about his classes. And there was nothing out of the ordinary about their conversation. But people close to Bryce said that they noticed his personality changing. Kim said that they were subtle at first, but she noticed him starting to withdraw. He seemed depressed and erratic. He admitted to her that he had been taking Vivance to stay awake and play video games. And when she admitted to him like she was worried, he just kind of brushed it off and was like, it's no big deal. On August 27th, Bryce broke up with Kim through a text message telling her that she would be better off without him. Uh, Kim Sly was like, uh, no. And she drove to his apartment. Well, first she texted him asking him, are you breaking up with me? And he said, yes. She drove to his apartment that night and they made up. The next day, Karen spoke with Bryce and said that he told her that he was going to break up with Kim again. And Karen said that this did seem odd because Bryce was constantly talking about how great she was, how much he loved her. She said that it was odd, but uh, uh, again, like, what is she going to say? Like, this is your life, you know, if you want to break up with her, that's your prerogative, I guess. The same day, he sent Sean a text message at 2.05 p.m. that said, I love you, bro. Seriously, you are the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul. Sean responded, I love you too, man. You have an amazing life full of love and blessings. Don't waste that. You have too many people that love you, Bryce. I also read that the same day, Bryce gave his Xbox to Sean, as well as a pair of diamond earrings that his mother had given him. Later that night, Bryce himself called Karen, complaining that Kim wouldn't give his keys back to him. 
Bryce had driven one and a half hours to her apartment to break up with her. And Kim took the keys because she was worried about him. And this is what she told Karen. She said that he wasn't acting right. She just had a bad feeling. And she didn't think that he should be driving. From what I could gather, I think that Bryce might have might have led his mom to believe that Kim was upset because she was breaking he was breaking up with her and she was overreacting and wouldn't give him his keys back. Whatever he told her, he did give the phone to Kim and Karen talked Kim into giving him his keys back. Afterwards, um she talked to Bryce again on the phone and she told him to go home and go to bed. She told him that she was going to get a flight up to see him, but he told her, don't come up. Not until, you know, don't make any plans because I have a lot to talk to you about. And she was like, well, what, what is it? Just tell me. And he would not tell her. He's like, I'll tell you later. So he left Kim's at about 1130 that night. And Karen and Kim were both under the assumption that Bryce was going home. So at 1 a.m., when Bryce called Karen, she was a little taken aback, but he told her that he was on the road and he was fine. So later, much, much later, they would find that during this cell phone call, his phone pinged off of towers in the opposite direction of his apartment. At 11 a.m. the next day, Karen got a call from her car insurance. And it was, they called to tell her that she was being charged for roadside assistance that Bryce had used. They tried to call Bryce, but he didn't answer his cell phone. And when he didn't answer, Karen called Sean and was like, hey, did Bryce make it in okay? I got this call from car insurance. You know, I'm just kind of checking up on him. And Sean tells her that Bryce never came back to the apartment that night. Bryce did have a credit card. Uh, he had his parents' credit card. So Karen and Mike looked up the history and found a charge just three hours from their house in a town called Buttonwillow. It was a $20 charge, and it was made at Castro Tire and Truck. So Mike calls the business and gets a hold of the owner named Christian. Christian tells Mike that at 9 o'clock that morning, he had delivered three gallons of gas to a beige 2003 Toyota Highlander. This was their car that Bryce used. What was weird, though, and what he told Mike, was that when he got to the car, Christian said nobody was there. He went to deliver the gas. He got there. No one was there. So he left. And almost immediately after he left, Bryce called him and was like, hey, come back. So he goes back. And this time, he found Bryce with the SUV. And Bryce told him that he was sleeping. Just where, though? Uh, not sure. I guess in the back. Uh, Christian said he gave him the gas and left. So instead of relieving his parents' panic, this kind of just fueled the fire. Uh, because if he had gotten gas at 9 a.m., he should have been home by now. So Christian, this man sent from God himself, he noticed how panicked his parents sounded, so he offered to drive back and check on him, drive back to where he had given him the gas. Uh, he finds Bryce in the car, just sitting there, exactly where he was 
three hours before when he gave him the gas. He had never even moved. So Christian told Bryce that his parents are wigging out. And he then called Bryce's parents and was like, hey, I found him. He's still here. And he gives the phone to Bryce. And Bryce's parents were like, hey, what are you doing? And Bryce goes, nothing. So Karen tells him, well, go get gas and come home. Uh, here, okay. I know, I know like the, some of the events, but I just feel like at that point, I'd be like, stay there. We're coming to get you. Yeah. Like I really, 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 really try not to victim blame because I, no, no, I no, very no. well believe I his means. parents are victims, <laughs> but a lot during the story, I was like, what the hell are y'all doing? See, and I think maybe a lot of that, though, for us, maybe a lot of that's like, we've heard this case, we know how it goes, mm-hmm. so that kind of alters our perspective of things. Whereas for them, okay, maybe he slept for a couple hours, and he was whatever, and he was just going to head mm-hmm. home. Like, we didn't have it, they didn't have a f- concern at that time. Which Especially- is, that's a good point, because he had been on the road, this is um, 11 a.m., roughly. Mm-hmm. that he went and found him. I'll say somewhere between 11 and 12, Christian found him. So he's been on the road for at least 12 hours. Right. And if he is on some sort of substance, he could have had had a crash and his parents mm-hmm. might have had that suspicion where, all right, he crashed. He, he did need to sleep. So by no means am I saying like they did something wrong because I do think like a lot of my thoughts and like how I would have reacted are different though, because of mm-hmm. shit like this story. Like I, I know the story I've heard it. Like, yeah, my thoughts about my actions would be different because I also hear all this stuff that happens. Yeah. Anyway, you know what, how it goes down and like to like the devil's advocate this too. Like he was three hours from the house. So I can also see like, Hey, like, quit messing around and just get home yeah i can i get that uh so she tells him go get gas and come home and bryce did he went and got the gas and he went on his way so he should have been home around 3 p.m so his parents waited and three o'clock came no bryce he was not answering his phone so karen and mike file a missing persons report police got an emergency ping order from at&t and they find that his cell phone was pinging off of towers eight miles from the gas station. Three hours later, eight miles. So they, they go there and they find his SUV at a hotel at 9.33 p.m. He was in the SUV, not the hotel. He was still in the car. And he told them that he was there visiting a friend. Now, police said that he showed no signs of being impaired. They said he was polite. He was answering their questions. He was talkative and friendly. Uh, They gave him a field sobriety test anyway, and he passed with flying colors. They asked him if they could search his car. He's like, yeah, go ahead. They did not find anything strange. So they told him the same thing Krishna told him, like, hey, your parents are freaking out. What's going on? And he said that he was just blowing off steam. They talk to him for about an hour and they tell him to call his parents. He didn't want to call his mom. So he asked the police to dial the phone, dial the number, and then give him the phone 
which I thought was really weird. It, I can, okay. I can see it because I feel like he was how old again? 18, 19? He was 19. So I feel like that's a very common, like, you don't want to disappoint your parents and freak them out. So as a kid, like, you're always afraid of the consequences when something happens. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe that might have been like a coping, like, hey, if you dial, I'm not calling and maybe I won't get as much heat or whatever. And I'll feel less, less guilty if they're disappointed or less, like, Mm -hmm. less confrontational if they're upset. That is a good point. Like, maybe some way, like, hey, you know someone else is here. If you're going to yell at me, you're not going to do it as hard. Okay. Yeah. I I, I think that's, like, a younger mindset. Because I can see, like, however long ago I had that mindset of, I don't want to call and get yelled at or whatever (laughs) it is, you know? Yeah. I guess it's been a little longer for me, so I had forgotten that. But that's also a very good point. I hadn't thought of that either. Mainly, I'm just terrified of my parents, so. I mean, I am too, but that's why I always avoid calling them and pissing them mm-hmm. off, okay? So, they asked. he asked them to dial, and they did. Karen asked Bryce, like, again, what are you doing? And he said that he was going to hang out with friends. But he lives seven hours away from his parents, so four, he's mm-hmm. hanging out with friends four hours away from him? Yeah, I thought that was weird, too. Um, and the area isn't, is it like a populated area? Is it like a, I didn't think it was like a busy area. From what I saw, no. Like it's not far from LA, but it's not LA. Like it was kind of, it seemed like just a small little town. Now, I don't know what it was like in 2003. I mean, I just like, I think about a, a teenager, because he's a teenager at that point you know, going to visit friends, typically they're either going to be in his hometown or they're Mm going to be his college friends. And I guess I'm just struggling to see them meeting in the center. So I did Google it. And in 2020, uh, Button Willow, California had a population of 1,339 people and they are best known for cotton farming. Okay. Yeah. So so it's not a popular area. Not at all. At least not among the little teenagers, the college students. I wouldn't think so. So police basically say, hey, this this kid's fine to drive. He's not uh, inebriated in any way. He passed the sobriety test. He's fine to drive. So they let him go. And. What else are they going to do? Like they found him. He's not. They have no indication that he's in any Mm -hmm. danger. He's a harm to himself. They have no indication that he's a harm to someone else. Like, nothing. And he's 19. He's an adult. Yeah. So if they want to go, like, even me as a parent, like, I would probably ask, like, hey, can you can you keep him? Can you handcuff him? Can you, like, put a boot on the car? But, like, none of that. I mean, they I guess he's they could have. They could have reported the, I mean, I don't know. Could they have reported the car stolen? If it was I under their name? I would assume not, just because if he's driving it then he has to be on the insurance right yeah but it doesn't mean he owns it but he has permission to drive it in some way maybe not at that time i don't know i need to look into that for when my kids start driving (laughs) i don't know i don't know i assume it's probably they probably couldn't have reported it stolen because Mm -hmm. he had the permission to drive it and even then if they did now what are you gonna do i mean he's already like being in my opinion, he's already being sketchy. Uh-huh. 
And now if you tell him like, okay, well, this is my car. Now what's going to happen? Where's he going to go? Stay at that motel with his buddy. If he had a buddy, he wasn't even in the hotel though. He was in his car. I know. It's it's just weird. And we're not even done. So they let him go. Hours pass and he's still not home. Uh, Since the police found him and deemed him sober, he's no longer a missing person. So Karen and Mike, I assume out of desperation and like not knowing what else to do, they call Christian again. And this gas station owning angel goes back to the hotel where police found Bryce. And he's still there in his car. So Christian calls Mike and Karen and told him that Bryce's eyes seemed a little red, but he seemed fine. Christian tells Bryce's parents that he's like, this is what I'll do. I'm going to drive to the interstate. Bryce can follow me. And that way, you know, maybe he can't find it, whatever it is. I'll get him there. I'll do that. And then I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to go home and spend time with family or something. I don't know. But he does do that. He drives 30 minutes from the hotel to the interstate and watches Bryce get onto the interstate. And Christian, he goes home. And Bryce's GPS says that he's going to get to his parents' house at 3.25 a.m. They call him a couple times when he was driving and they're asking him, like, hey, give us some landmarks, some road signs. What are you seeing? And every time they called him, he was super vague. Uh, one time at 1.50 in the morning, he told Karen that he had taken a detour, but he was back on the interstate now. And he said there were no lights and he didn't know where he was. Which, fair. You know, parts of the interstate are really dark, but you haven't seen a sign or anything. Or you have a GPS. Also, so, if... I mean, I know that they had just moved there, but how many times has he made that drive? Like, by now, he's got to be somewhat familiar with... Mm-hmm at least some landmarks or a general idea of where he is. I don't know. That's what I would think. And I know they hadn't been there long. I know they had it. Yeah. But that's where, and that's where I'm like, you've got a GPS. I get not wanting to look at it at, at night when you're driving. Cause that crap's bright sometimes. And I don't know if they had dark mode in 2003. All this stuff is still pretty new, I guess, but it's weird that you can't give in me 2003. Anything. That yeah. was nine years old. 2013 i'm sorry i was like i was not 19 in 2003 (laughs) i had to backtrack on yeah thank you i don't know what i was thinking 2013 i'm so sorry good thing i got here good thing i got here to call me out well it's because i was confused because i'm like well that's their problem they have a nine-year-old driving (laughs) no wonder he can't see landmarks he can't even see over the steering wheel where's his booster seat come on He's got one of those little periscopes that go up. <laughs> like in the submarines. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So at 209, he calls Karen and he tells her that he's tired and he's going to pull over on the side of the road and sleep in his car. He's been doing that all day. Karen tells him this is fine. That's a good idea. Karen, he's been sleeping in his car all day long. It's two o'clock in the morning. You have no idea where your son is. I'm, I know I'm going to sound judgy and I'm sorry, but I cannot imagine. I don't want to do that. And I'm a whole ass adult. Kind of. For the most part. I, okay, here's also the thing is she's, 
she's probably just relieved that he's because in her mind he's making progress getting to her right so you know what he's probably only an hour and a half away at this point so if he needs to take a nap like at least he's moved he's almost home but like at that point just go get him but she's probably also tired too can you imagine if they've slept they've had a one hell of a day trying to find this kid i i don't think i could sleep and i might be tired but if if they were if i was that close i really feel like i mean i can't sleep at home i guess i'll go get you hopefully i'm never in this situation but this just it is really frustrating uh some of the things that you hear and read about how they reacted to this and I, here's also the thing is they don't know they they really don't they're just hoping for i mean they're not hoping they're assuming that he's gonna make it home and i'm sure they're thinking there's something had to have happened he's upset about something like he's not telling us something and when he gets home he'll tell us and we just need to be patient and I'm sure that parental mindset of we don't want to push him and rush him, like we don't want to push him away and him freak out yeah. thinking, you know. And there's always that like, there's always that thought that you hear all the time in true crime. I never thought this would happen to me. Right. So at 8 a.m. the next morning, California Highway Patrol knocks on the Pieces door. They ask if their car had been stolen and Karen said no. At 5.20 that morning, a construction worker found the car, found the car abandoned and wrecked at Castiac Lake. I hope I'm saying that right. It was found off an access road at the bottom of a 25-foot embankment. It was banged up because it had rolled, but it did not look fatal. The keys were still in the ignition. They found Bryce's cell phone, laptop, wallet, and cards all still at the scene. There was a duffel bag that was found open and unzipped on the outside of the car. Small amounts of blood were found in the car, but not a lot. From what I read, it was just droplets that... Oh, like a small injury. Yeah, a minor injury. They said, like, maybe he hit his head or something and got, like, a little nosebleed or any wrecked. It wasn't anything that was, like... Oh my God, this is really mm -hmm. bad. The back window had been shattered and they believed it had been broken by either kicking it out from the inside or by using an emergency tool. How far away is this from his parents? Three hours. Two hours, 58 minutes, I believe, was the exact. Uh, so he's not up. made any progress to getting home. Uh, got on the interstate and got off. That's what it sounds like. I don't need the exact time. That's what you're looking for. Two hours. So he drove around a little bit. Okay. So we're two hour. hours away from his house. His mm -hmm. parents' house. Yes. Evidence showed that he had accelerated when he went off the embankment. And police believe that he thought if he just gunned it off of this embankment that he would land in the lake. Because apparently when you're going down this access road, that's kind of what it looks like. But people argue that due to the same evidence at the scene, they said Bryce could have been trying to navigate around this gate when it veered into the dropped off and he just kind of lost control or uh, whiskey throttled it, like panicked and just hit the gas instead of the brake, something like that. 
But regardless, a search was organized and they looked for 48 hours. There were volunteers, search and rescue. They had helicopters. They had divers in the lake. They brought in search and rescue dogs. And Kim gave investigators some dirty clothes of Bryce's that she had. And the dogs followed his trail from the car down the embankment to the lake where they originally thought they lost it. But the dogs picked it up again and they followed it along the shore across a dam and then south to a rest stop where they just lost it. There's a surveillance video that shows the SUV at 2.07 a.m. on a road headed towards the lake. Due to the poor quality of the video, they can't prove that Bryce is driving, but they never found any evidence to prove otherwise, whether it be someone else's DNA in the vehicle. Yeah, they never found DNA of anybody else in the car. They never found anybody else's stuff. And they could tell on the video that somebody was driving. Oh, yeah. Due to the poor quality of the video, they could tell someone was driving, but there was nobody in the passenger seat. Since they never found anything proving otherwise, they are just left to assume that this is Bryce. Which I feel like that's fair. Like, he's already had some really weird behavior in the last mm-hmm. several hours. Uh, I mean, an officer searched his car, didn't find, like, anyone else hiding or anything. I guess they might not have been in the car, but... I mean, it's a wreck, and you didn't find anything out? No, no kind of DNA? Like, if you're rolling down an embankment in a vehicle... They're going to find some hair or something, surely. Right. What's weird about this, though, this video footage, is that the camera showed him going down this road again at 4.29 a.m. So about two and a half hours later. And people argue that he was either lost, because this was a very windy road. He was either lost and trying to find his way to the lake, or... He was contemplating ending his life and was trying to gather the courage to do it. The media picked up this case and they ran the story often. The family started a Facebook page and used it to spread information. The Facebook page is there and I did get a lot of info from it. It's called Find Bryce Les Pisa. They put up missing flyers. There was a huge billboard near the lake that had a picture of him and... Also a picture of his tattoo on his shoulder. It's a huge uh, Taurus bull head with his birthday and Roman numerals. Nothing ever came from this. People did claim every now and then to see him, but it wasn't actually him. It never, it never turned out to be Bryce. On September 4th, 2003, a jogger reported... 2013. September. I'm sorry. I don't okay. know what, where in my notes I started putting 2003. I was going to say, man, we are time traveling. <laughs> we went back in time. This jogger ran so fast that they went back to 2003. Yes. In 2013, September 4th, a jogger reported a fire in the woods three miles from where Bryce's car was found. Police went to investigate and they found a body burning in the woods um it was not bryce uh they did eventually identify this person um but it was not bryce did they find a connection nothing no i also figured out where you started typing 2003 where uh when you were saying the beige 2003 toyota highlander 
That's what it was. Thank I got you. Got you. Okay. And then it just stuck in my head for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah. A private investigator, they took on this case for free. Uh, she believed in a possibility of foul play. Or she also thought that Bryce could have had a psychiatric breakdown. He was around the age, uh, late teens, early 20s, that they usually see uh, psychiatric issues start to develop in people. And due to his friends saying, you know, he had started acting funny, it was kind of random. That's what she believed. Um, but they, she really never found anything. The only thing I saw that she was credited with finding was that Bryce had put his parents' uh, address into the GPS. I... I don't know how that's groundbreaking. Um, I feel like we kind of knew that because at one point they knew what time he was supposed to be coming home. So I don't know. Uh, that's just kind of what the source that I read had said. But she did put the list pieces in contact with a sonar specialist to help search the lake. They looked for two days and they didn't find anything. So investigators started talking to Bryce's family and friends. His parents maintained that this had to have been foul play. They said that he was fine that whole summer. There were no signs of substance abuse. And he had acted the same way he always had. There was absolutely nothing different about him. His friends, they kept telling police how strange he had been acting, that he was giving away his possessions. He was drinking heavily. He was mixing alcohol and Vyvanse. Basically, it's just polar opposite ends of the spectrum. And it was really, it didn't help the investigation at all. Because what do you do with that? You're being pulled in two completely different directions. Right. And I can see how he would act normal around his family, right? Like, everything's mm -hmm. fine. But mm -hmm. then his friends, like, he's partying. Like, again, going back to that, like, teenage guilt where he's like, I don't want my parents to be upset with me. I know I'm not supposed to be drinking. Because in the mm -hmm. U.S., for those of you that are listening abroad, our drinking age is 21. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's drinking underage. He's, um, like, he's there's doing, a lot. If he's doing drugs, too, like, he may be able to find them back home where he knows people. But they moved from out of town. They moved from out of state across the country to Laguna Niguel. So it, would he have access to these substances that he was abusing back home with his family? Also, did that substance abuse start back home with his family or did it start when he went off to college? Good question. I will get into that. That could change a lot, too. Uh, I'm actually going to get into that right now because there are a ton of theories about this case, mainly because we have nothing to go on here, like very, very little. So the main theory is he had a mental break. Um, which is very possible when you're abusing substances. Um, I know, I want to say I know Adderall says like, hey, don't mix with alcohol. But I think almost every medicine says that. I couldn't really find on what the adverse reactions were, but I know it can't be good. Right. But people say like, okay, if he had a mental break and this, you know, where is he? How has he never been found? I don't know. Another one is amnesia. 
but you know, he hit his head in the crash and he lost his memory. Problem with that one. Same thing. Where is he? He's never turned up anywhere. They searched hospitals and uh and one one source even said that they searched the homeless population to see if they could find him there and they couldn't. And nobody had seen him. And also how does that explain the strange behavior before he hit his head? Exactly. It's just this case frustrates me. Um, a lot of people believe that he either successfully committed suicide or possibly had considered or tried to commit suicide. But when he wrecked and had to climb out of the vehicle and he lived, he had that, like it gave him a renewed fight to live. Mm-hmm. But where is he? We've never found him. We've never found his body. We have not found the clothes that he was wearing. Just nothing. Most people believe that he either ran away or tried to stage a suicide. Because to this day, he has never used a credit card, never used his bank accounts. From what I found, he had not even logged into his bank. Uh, Like, I don't, the apps and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. He had never used his passport or his social security number. All of that stuff is registered in the missing persons database and it's never pinged, never even been tried to use. And if he did plan this whole thing and meet somebody at the truck stop and try to run away, who picked him up? Is it possible that he really did have friends in Button Willow in this tiny little town? Because this would have been only an hour away from there, roughly. I also still feel like like if if that were the case, why did it take so long? You know what I mean? Like why did he spend so much time in Button Willow just to go another hour? Like when he could have just gone straight that hour and started that process then, right? Like then the police like I just don't understand why he would have waited. Cause if that was the plan, let's say he was trying to start this new life, he had a friend in Button Willow. It really at that hotel. Wouldn't you think when police first found him, he'd be like, hey, we got to get going. Like, if we wait any longer, there there might be more concerns with my parents. Like, we got to get this done. Not wait for hours and hours. Yeah. The last theory I have, um, it seems to make the most sense to me. And people <laughs> claim that it was <clears throat> some kind of drug deal, possibly gone wrong. His friends claim that the Las Pieces didn't have the perfect life that Karen led people to believe. She uh, she was known to put too much care into the perception of their family. And a lot of people theorize, like, if you would have been a little more honest with the police, which is, like, it's horrible and it makes me feel bad saying it, but it is kind of a good point. If this is true... If you would have been more honest with the police, could your son have potentially been found? People say that he was drinking heavily since high school and that um, he was involved with drugs other than the Vivance. He actually had a misdemeanor drug charge. He was found with between 10 to 30 grams of weed. That's a lot of weed seems like a lot but i don't really know what grams of weed looks like 
I know with me, like with my butt weed, I get three and a half grams at a time. And now granted, like I'm working and, you know, I have a child. So I don't smoke like all day, every day, but that lasts me about a month, if not more. So 10 to 30, that's, that's a lot. I can only get 14 every two weeks legally, something like that. Now that wasn't, it didn't tell me how much. That's just what he was charged with for possessing between 10 and 30 grams. He had to pay court fees and fines for this. And he had to be on, I think it was parole. They said like supervision for 12 months. And this started July 17th of 2012. So he had just finished his parole. This is really recent. People believe that what he could have potentially gotten out of the duffel bag was a burner phone. Since he only grabbed what seemed to be one thing. And people also believe that Sean knows more than he's letting on. In an interview, Sean said that he believes Bryce is alive and okay. And he does not want to be found. He told, uh, Bryce apparently told Sean that he would be back on Labor Day. And Sean says that he left all his stuff at the apartment. He left his shoes by the door. He left his TV, his clothes. He said it seemed like he was coming back. And he says, Bryce, just come home, man. We all miss you. Family is the most important thing right now. Which to me also sounds like. It just sounds like he he knows a little more, but I would assume it's been, what, 10 years? 20? Yeah. 10, 10 years. years. It wasn't 2003, it was 2013. What is wrong with me? It has know. been 10 years uh, almost since he went missing. <laughs> I do believe that if they were as close as they seemed, like that text message, that was super heartfelt. That was really sweet. I really believe that he would have said something by now had he known. Had yeah. he known anything that would have been upheld. Like maybe, yeah, he might would have been quiet about it for a little while. But when he never comes back, I would really, I really think somebody that close would. would Cave eventually and be like, listen, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Or this is what I know. You would think. That is the. Really frustrating story of Bryceless Pizza. And uh, I swear to you, next story is going to be one that's solved. Because even though they're 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 kind of hard to get through sometimes, it's I'm very I don't want to be on this kick anymore. It gets real old only hearing unsolved cases, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Damn you. Oh, anyways, that story gets me because it's just so all over. Like he did this, then he didn't do this, then he did this, then he said this, and mm-hmm. this happened. It's like. Why isn't he moving? That's what gets me. Like, why isn't, why isn't he moving? Why did nobody go get him? Why? Because I know a lot of people also say, why didn't his mom take his friend's word for, why did his mom take his friends for granted when they were constantly telling her, hey, he's acting weird. Hey, he's acting weird. If he really did spend all summer with them and he seemed fine, that would be hard to believe. And on top of that, one of the people telling you he's acting weird is his girlfriend that he just broke up with. Right. I just, it's hard. It's hard because like, and I'm not a parent, but I can see a parent's side of, did he have a falling out with his friends? And now they're Mm -hmm. trying to cause drama. Like he's maybe not told us something, but he called us and said he had a lot to tell us. Like, 
mm-hmm. what's going on. They, I mean, there's there's a lot of we don't knows to this. Like, I don't know what he was going to tell his parents. No, but it's creepy. Like, it's a, it's a really unsettling thing to hear, but <laughs> it could have been something as simple. Like, maybe he was going to tell them, like, hey, I have a drinking problem. Yeah. And may, I mean, that would stress me out if that was something like I decided I'm going to tell my parents this. And I don't know, maybe he was going to tell them like he was depressed and he was in a hard spot. Which, it, I mean, it does like a lot of what you talked about. It does sound like he had a mental break. Something happened. Mm-hmm. With giving his stuff away and the text messages that he was sending to people, it it felt very much like he was saying goodbye. In kind of a. In a weird roundabout way, yeah. Yeah, in a really eerie, creepy way. So, I don't I don't know. Well, do you want to listen to a story? Yeah, please. I, <laughs> I would love to. I don't know that it's any better. I don't have any pictures for this week. Okay. That's okay. I forget. Does Annie, has Annie learned how to play tag yet? No, and for some okay. reason I don't like where this is going. We play hide and seek. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about a couple versions of Tag that maybe tiptoe along the lines of hide-and-seek that she's forbidden from playing. Okay. I'm not even her parent, and I am telling you she is forbidden for playing them. It sounds good to me. Okay. So if you can't tell, I'm doing a spooky game today or a paranormal game. I'm actually Hell doing yeah. two because they were pretty, they were along the lines of being pretty similar. So you're welcome. I trust your judgment. So Annie, okay. do not commit these to memory. This first one is more because I don't think you would like it. Oh. Okay. Does it involve teeth? No. Okay. But pink fingernails, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> so the first game is called Malon. And I actually found this game while I was researching the other game I'm going to tell you about. And it was actually really interesting because this um, this person, the commenter that I found that had listed this out they laid out all the steps they were like here yeah this this sounds like this game but this game that i'm going to describe is much safer than this other game so malon considered safer um basically as long as you complete the whole ritual with the proper respect and order you'll essentially be summoning the spirits of children to come play tag with you absolutely not what why to play tag. That's a child. What if it's a bunch of demons slapping you on the back too hard? <laughs> Oops, I'm sorry, Tag. You're it. Sorry, I pushed your face in the dirt. What? I don't I don't really know. But oh, that's no. that's essentially what it's doing. And again, like I said, the commenter, the original commenter stated that this was really common in Vietnam. This is like a Vietnamese game. Um that a lot of children play. Do you uh, have any friends you can play with in real life? Well, yes. Can you please chill so I can finish explaining the game? So uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. And most of the sources I saw did say that this likely originated in Vietnam. So Vietnamese tradition game here. And Malon can be translated to can ghost or ghost in the can. Is this a toilet ghost? Are you making fun of me? No, 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 (laughs) no. It's like a a can, like a um, like like a tin can. can? Yeah, like a tin can. Okay. I immediately went to the toilet. So yeah, not bad. that type of, not that type of can. Okay. So in some reports, the worst that can really happen to you is 
you get some swollen ankles from this game and that's it. Like you're not going to be haunted. You're not going to be that injured. Just some swollen ankles. Why are my ankles swollen? It'll make sense later. Now there are requirements. More than one participant. So you got to gather your living friends and y'all are going to play a game of tag. Annie, don't listen. Typically the participants are children. Um, They use an empty can. Not like a soda can, but like a a can, like canned goods, like condensed milk or something like that. Um, An empty can, candy or small sweets to fill or use as offerings. One to three sticks of incense. This, again, was a variation, like different variations of the game said to call for different things. This is actually used as a game timer. So the time it takes for the incense to burn is how long the game takes. An alternate option is a cigarette. Okay. So. But if you're hard up for money, definitely probably incense. Because cigarettes are expensive. Uh, everything's expensive, though. Everything's yeah. expensive. And then you want a cup with rice or sand or an incense holder. Just something to hold your incense or your cigarette in place. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. A lighter and matches to light said incense or cigarette. Mm-hmm. A wide area with few obstacles so you can easily run. Some sources said this area you should mark out like a boundary. Others didn't mention anything about a boundary, but maybe just set the boundary. I don't know. Um, and then a small water bottle is also optional. Now the setup. So you set up your incense in a cup or with the incense holder at your chosen location. A lot of places said like a churchyard is a really good place because it's wide open, like not a lot of things that you could trip over. Anyways, um, in this game, it's believed to be best to start the game midday or alternately at midnight. So basically, that's just like a a belief for when the spirits are active, from what I understood. So like midday, they'd be looking for, I should have written this down and I didn't. Midday, they're looking for like their meals. And then midnight is when they're more active, just like powerful spirits or whatever it may be. I'm sorry. I was, at first I was creeped out when you said like a churchyard is a good place. But come to think of it, that might not be because aren't like, isn't that like, it's hard and borderline impossible for demons and negative spirits to be at a church. I've heard but like a holy place churches before. I think it just depends. Oh. Oh. I thought it was something about like uh, hallowed ground um, is the term that's come into mind. I don't know what that means. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Point is, is that that was just one of the examples it gave mm-hmm. for this game. Other sources said playing after 8 p.m. is fine. Um, There were some sources that referenced playing on the night of a full moon was best for the results. Like if you wanted good results. So a lot of variations in the game and it might just be regional variations. But you're going to place the can and the offerings in front of the incense, light all of that, and all the players will gather around and set up and they're going to hold hands kind of like in a prayer style, you know, when you're around the table holding hands. Um. You're going to choose one chief speaker. One speaker, they get to be chanting this. And this was the loose translation that was provided by the original post that I saw. And this is what they're going to chant. Can ghost, can ghost, come here and play. Come have our offerings and play tag with us. Can ghost, can ghost, come have a game. Day one, the fire is lit and now we begin. Again, different variations of this chant, which include... Ghosts, please come out and play with us. Or there were a lot of sources that just said, make up your own respectful chant to invite the spirits to come play. 
I appreciate that they specified respectful. Yes. Like we're talking uh, to kids here. Okay. Right. So like be respectful, do everything, whatever. If you're using a cigarette as your timer and it sim- and you light it and it simply looks like a burning cigarette, like no one's smoking or anything, then the ritual likely failed. But if it looks like there's an invisible entity that is smoking the cigarette where it basically flares up at the end, the ritual worked. Oh my God. These kids are, these ghost kids are smoking? Well, I don't know. Maybe the adults are there to watch the ghost kids. I don't really know. Okay. But if you're not using a cigarette, best of luck figuring out if it worked or not. Like you're just going to have to figure out and you'll figure out pretty quick. At this point, the can should begin to move a little bit. And uh, that means that y'all got to scatter. Just scooch on out of there. Start running. Tag has begun. But in this version, this damn can is chasing people around. What? No. (laughs) Oh, what? No. I don't like that at all. I'm getting chased by Margaret Holmes's collard greens. No, it's an empty can. It has to be empty. Okay, so I'm getting chased by... What was Margaret Holmes's collard greens? Yep. Some sweet peas. And in this game, only the spirits will ever be it. So even if you're tagged, you're just, you're whatever. You're not it. The spirits are still it with the can chasing you around. It just feels unfair. I mean, you can't see the spirit, though, so it makes sense. Like, they could just drop the can. Wait, so they're, 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 okay, hold on. I just had a breakdown. So... We're being chased by a floating can? No, I think it's probably like it's being kicked. Oh, God. This is horrible. Okay, well, it gets worse. I don't like this at all. Oh, it's great. (laughs) Wonderful. Okay, well, if the spirit gets you, like they tag you, there are different, again, different variations of what might happen. Mm -hmm. Um, In option one, you can bet that if you've been hit by this can... It will continue to hit your ankles with the can until it finds a new target or you get away from it. So that's the swollen ankles. That's where it comes in. So they're beating the crap out of you. These ghosts are pissed. They're like, they're yeah, like, you want to play tag? Let's play tag. How dare you bring incense? Where are my cigarettes? <laughs> the other option, and this, from what I could find, it's probably like a gameplay rule that you decide before playing. The other option is that you're eliminated and you have to leave the playing field and go sit out. So that's why they say some variations say to mark the boundary. Others say don't. Great. Now I can just watch this can (laughs) annihilate my friend's ankles instead. But if in option two, if it hits you, it's only going to leave like a small bruise to show that you're out. And then you just you're out. Instead of so much better. Okay, what do you prefer? A small bruise on your ankle or swollen ankles? I prefer to not play games with ghosts. That's what I prefer. But between the two, if I had to choose, I suppose a single bruise. Okay, there you go. So you're going to play where the elimination process happens. Got it. (laughs) Now, to make this even a little bit better, it's very possible that there is more than one spirit or one it spirit. Uh, most believe that there's the major spirit that's hitting you with the can, and then there are two more guarding the incense. And again, there's a chance for more than one it spirit chasing people down because most people believe that the number of summoned spirits is equal to the amount of players. So if you've got six players, you've got six spirits. 
Oh, we got to play by ourselves. It's just me and you, honey. That makes it harder to win, though. I don't get a heck. I've only got two people beating my ankles. <laughs> I'm just telling you. You're allowed to go for putting out the incense early to end the game. But remember, there are those two guard spirits, like the goalies of the incense, the incense goalies. And they're guarding that. So if you're going to go for ending the game early and getting the, the cigarette put out or the incense put out, you're going to want to have this as a team play. Okay, you got to time out, team huddle. This is the plan, right? Can uh, you get timeouts? No. Did it say? Oh, okay. <laughs> it I guess the timeout is the time between incense. No. Because you're supposed to, if you're using three, you're supposed to light them all at the same time. Oh, but then they all burn at the same time, right? So is yeah. it really like... I don't I don't know. Okay. But you're supposed to... Basically, this has got to be a team play. So you're going to have to have some sacrificial lambs to lure away the guard ghost. Which <laughs> apparently... Apparently, you can feel these ghosts like pulling you away, trying to prevent you from putting out the incense. So that's why oh. you've got to have two people draw away the other... The guard ghost, which... They won't go far from the incense. And then the third person storms the incense or the cigarette and puts it out with the water bottle. Don't like anything about this game. I'm just going to be completely honest here. You're not going to like either game. But once the incense is out, the game ends. Then in the spirit of being a good sport, you can shake hands with the spirits or the spirit opponents. And a lot of people say that's where they really believe. Like they were shaking hands with something that was not there and they could feel it. Anyways. I'm so stressed. Now, the the incense, the base of the incense, and the offerings, those can be handled however the hell you want at this point. Though in the Vietnamese culture, eating offerings that were not for your family is considered bad luck. So those candy, sweets, offerings should probably just be tossed, you know? Some tips for winning. Don't run in a straight line because apparently spirits have a hard time making tight churns. Oh, okay, so spirits are crocodiles. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but they they can't make tight churns. Don't climb trees to get away from them because, you know, ghost kids can still climb trees. So the can can too. Be respectful. Reportedly, I did not, I couldn't find it, but this is probably because it was in a different language, whatever. Reportedly, one group of teens were a bit inappropriate when initiating the game. Like they used some cuss words, something a little inappropriate. And this made reportedly made the news when adult spirits ended up dragging these teenagers around by their hair. Please show <laughs> me this news article. I am freaking begging you. I couldn't find it. I I don't know where it is, but I'm just telling you reportedly. <clears throat> um, and then if you really want to like have a good game, play with more than one person. It makes it easier to win because there's more than one target. If you play with just one person. You're going to have the can coming at you constantly. Oh, yeah, that's not. That doesn't sound fun. Yeah. So that's why I'm like play with more more than one person. Now, luckily for us, Amanda, we might just be too old to play. Oh, no. (laughs) Bummer. Some sources stated only children under the age of 10 could play. Others said the ages of 10 to 13 could play. So we're if if you try this over and over again and it just doesn't work, you might just be too old or too young to play. So I guess this is where getting old and decrepit really, really helps us out. At least I got that going for me. Um, 
But that is Malon. That's the first game. I don't know if you're ready for the second game. I don't. I'm still not a huge fan of the first one, so might as well just rip the band-aid. Okay, well, the next game is called Dead Man's Tag. <laughs> Already hate this. Already hate this. Okay. Okay. As you can guess, this is the more dangerous version, and this is like a dangerous version of Tag with some hide-and-seek elements. Okay, um, it kind of sounds fun, except for the danger part. Oh, okay. Well, you need at least three human participants. So you got to have two friends that are willing to participate with you. I'm not one of them, so find other friends. Well, I only have two friends, and one of them's not participating, so I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, you're screwed. Sorry. Equipment that you need is one flashlight per person. Each person should have something to keep time with, whether it's a watch, your phone, something. This is an optional item. You don't have to have something to keep time with, but it's recommended. And then a playing field. In this scenario, ideally outside in a large area with plenty of hiding spaces. To initiate the game, you have to start with the invitation. And just after dark, <clears throat> on a night with little to no moonlight is when you're going to do it. So like a cloudy overcast or a new moon night. So you don't get the advantage of moonlight. Gotta be dark. Because otherwise, why would you need the flashlights, I guess? Right. Everyone is going to gather on the playing field with their, their tools in hand. And as a group, you're going to decide where your home base is going to be. Home base has to be a physical object that you can touch in the area. A large rock, a statue, a tree, something that you can physically, uh, easily identify, physically touch. It's there. You know what it's going to be. Okay. Like in regular uh, hide and seek. Right. Like in not dangerous hide and seek. Right. Um, as a group, you decide how long you want to have to hide once the game starts. So you deliberate. And typically what I saw is people were saying between 10 to 100 seconds. It has to be a reasonable amount of time. So you get to choose as a group, how long do we have to hide between 10 and 100 seconds? Okay. Now you wait until it's completely dark. So you go there at dusk, you wait till dark, like you go there at dusk, make your game rules. And then once it's dark, that is when, when you actually start. When it is finally fully dark, everyone's going to gather at home base and everyone is going to face out into the darkness. You get to choose either the bravest or the dumbest soul. I'm not sure which one, but they're going to be the speaker and they will say, we invite you to this game of tag. Home base is blank, wherever your home base is. When the game begins, we have until the count of blank, your hiding time, to hide. Then you may look for us. Once we have all returned home, the game is done. So that's what your bravest soul is going to say. Then everyone reportedly in unison is going to call out, you're it. To who? To a ghost? To the, the dead man. Okay. Um, so you're going to call out, you're it. And then some sources actually omit that whole speech where it's, we invite you to play, blah, blah, blah. And all you do is do, you're it. I think it just depends on who you want to follow. Now, the game then begins at that point and you all scatter. You are going to run and find a hiding spot at this point. And this is where something to keep time comes in handy. So you know how long you have left before it comes looking for you. If you're not using something, then you get to do a Mississippi counting method in your head while you're trying to hide. So just keep that in mind. The game has started and now you're into the main event. Your goal is to make it back to home base without getting caught. You can move around, change your hiding spot as often as you want. You cannot 
hide or move around with anyone else. So no tag teaming. No tag teaming. What it's happens a, if you do? Did it say? Um, it kind of talks. I'll talk about it in a little bit. It's okay. uh, every person for themselves in this game. You can use your flashlight as needed, but you're more likely to get caught using your flashlight, thrown off a beam of light in the middle of the night. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, fair. So maybe just use it sparingly. If you sense there is someone else nearby, you can remain where you're at and hope that they don't come to your hiding spot, or you can try to find a new spot or sprint to home base. Whoever or whatever is near you may not be one of your little buddies. Oh. Many times people will report that they sense another player among the group who is not actually part of the group. So just as a rando is playing hide and go seek with you guys. Playing like not it, like someone else just tagging along and yeah, hiding. Or well, that's yes. against the rules, sir. Go or ma'am, go go get your own place to hide. Well, is it another person that's just tagging along, or is it something a little more sinister? Both. Um, through this entire adventure, adventure, a lot of articles said you want to remain silent as to not get caught. Other people believe that. You needed to yell home free or ollie ollie oxen free when you either got bored or think someone's after you or you're sprinting to home base. Okay. So home free or ollie ollie oxen free. I'm going to opt to just shut up. Like, don't not play in this game. And as soon as you see an opening to get to home base, you're going to want to take it. Because when you return to home base, you're going to have to touch it and yell out safe. If you don't touch it or yell safe, it doesn't count, though there are some variations of this game that include everyone having a whistle and blowing the whistle instead of yelling safe. Okay. And now you just wait for the rest of your buddies to get back. If not all of your buddies return, then you're going to have to wait it out and hope for the best. And you're also going to make sure there are no new faces trying to join. So you have to start and end with the same group of people. That's, look, that's a lot to remember. This is not an inclusive game. If you're not not part of the clique, you're not allowed to play. Okay. okay. Not inclusive. I'm sorry. You can play next round. I've got enough friends. I don't need any more. Well, you can play next round. It's fine, but you can't play this round. Okay. Once everyone returns, you're going to all face out into the dark again. The bravest soul will again say, we win. The game is over. Thank you for playing. And then you can all leave and go home. But in the future, if you're alone in the dark, you might just take a little precaution because your opponent might decide to start another game with you, whether you want it or not. Pardon me? Yes. <clears throat> in case you were wondering, you might just be stuck in a game of tag forever with this thing. Oh, no, no, no. I feel like that's something that I need. I need closure. Oh, yes. I was going to say, damn it, what's that word? Like, you can't kiss me unless I say so. Consent. Yes, I need consent to this the hide and seek flashlight game tag. No, I don't like this at all. Well, do you want some tips on how to make the game more difficult? Cool. Yes, yeah, you do. Sure. Okay. Um, choose a cemetery as your playing field. <laughs> no. <laughs> Decide on a short hiding window. So, like, 10 seconds. You get 10 seconds to hide. Play without flashlights. Uh, play without something to keep time. So, going back to that Mississippi counting method. Play with just one person. Because then you're the not. only target. 
So you I'll really think I'm going to go by myself to a cemetery at night with nothing but a flashlight and no Ooh, moonlight? No flashlight and- either. This is We're talking about making it more difficult and omit the flashlight if you want to be difficult. I already wasn't going to do it. But now, no. Moon, okay. like, no moon, cemetery, middle of the night, rando ghost that doesn't need consent. No, I'm out. Let's make I've, this even better. I've got plans that night. Don't assume there's only one it either. Shut the front door. <laughs> I don't know how to help you there. Some people will also claim the difficulty might also be based on the area and the local spirit. So if you're in like a boring area and the spirits are all nice and sweet and boring, they might not want to play this. I don't want to play already. Yeah. Um, others say that the closer you hide to home base makes it easier for the it spirits to find you. So maybe go further away. I don't know. I don't know. Now, what happens if you're caught? Once yeah. someone's been caught, they'll need to be shunned by the rest of the group. Done. <laughs> Everyone is going to want to avoid interacting with this person. And apparently you're just going to know if they've been caught. Uh, you might be able to strike a bargain at this point to get the caught person back. But apparently souls don't come cheap. Yeah, we know. You ever heard of like Satan? Well, at this point, your friend can be considered like a puppet. And some sources basically state that they're going to become possessed. And it's likely that they're going to be used as said puppet to start targeting other players. So that's why you don't want to hang out with your buddies in this. Why anybody play this game ever? I don't. Bragging rights? I don't know. Bragging rights? Okay, I'm good at poker. There's bragging rights. <laughs> um, if you're the one that's been caught, you better hope you have some good friends. Because your soul is now gonzo. Forever? Just unless someone makes a bargain. Okay, what are the bargains? I I don't know. Different ghosts? don't even know. No, because different ghosts might have different prices. You so want this old me, back, You better give me this. You're telling me that if I lose this game, I could either be traded for like a Krispy Kreme or like a a freaking blood of a virgin. There's no way of knowing. Right. Because you don't know what spirits you're summoning. You're just summoning spirits. I hate this. I hate all of this. Well, some sources did state that if someone is caught and you're not able to end the game, then this game just will never end. And you and your little buddies will be haunted for the rest of your lives. Perfect. What other outcome could you possibly wish for? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Now, I know I would typically do story times of, like, people's experiences on this, but, oh, my God, they were so hard to find. First of all, the stories I did find. Well, the stories I did find were anticlimactic. Like, basically, they're all like, I felt a presence and I scooched on home to over to home base. And it's like that. What? Like, nothing exciting happened. But then on the other hand, I guess that the people that didn't finish the game are now possessed. So they can't really share their side of the story. Unless the ghosty wants to. I don't think the ghost he wants to. You mean if somebody, if a dead person possessed somebody, the last thing they're going to do is get on Reddit and tell the story of how they possess somebody? Yeah, I don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're probably, maybe they'll get on Reddit and be like, oh, this is a great game. It was a lot of fun. It was just fun running around in the dark with my friends to get more people to play, to get more spirits, to get more souls. Mm, I see what they're doing. 
That's why you could only find ones where it's just la di da. I skipped a whole face. Right. I was like, what is this nonsense? But that's that's all I've got for you. Yeah, I didn't like any of this. So just to clarify, Annie is not allowed to play either at all. No, ever. She's not leaving the house. Ever. Period. The end. That's it. I might homeschool. I'm not homeschool. I was <laughs> gonna say you already got her in daycare. Let's see you homeschool her. No, I don't have y'all that homeschool your kids. How do you do it? Because oh, we don't know. That's patience that I ain't got. Yeah, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed. I did enjoy it, but I will also enjoy never doing it ever. Annie, you're grounded Mm -hmm. forever. Forever. Yeah. Might I suggest a game of ninja tag? That's what we played as kids, where you just go outside in the dark. And there's no flashlights or anything. And it's basically just hide and seek at night. But you wear black. So you can literally like hide in the shadows and stuff. It's pretty Might I suggest hide and seek creative house hiding spots? Because that's what we played. We contorted ourselves into weird spots. Got into cabinets that we shouldn't be in. You sound like my child. I mean, we were old enough that we moved things out of the way. And then moved it back after we were found. She does too, except for the moving back part. Oh, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. If you uh, to see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Helen Hills Podcast, Twitter, Helen Hills Pod, Facebook by searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further, so we can create additional content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestion, suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. And this has been Helen Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye.